This morning's sermon, graven image of self, graven image of self and of pleasure. Coming from the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 18th through the 20th verse, and the book of Acts, the 19th chapter, the first verse, through the 20th chapter in the first verse. This is about graven images taken from our pilot scripture that we were studying in the book of Isaiah. Man, what can man liken God into it, describe God? And we see men today with golden images, chains and crosses around their neck, and I think they, I don't know if they still call it bling or whatever or whatever, but man has made himself into an idol sitting in the temple of God, in other words, in the very body, showing himself as God. And it tells about man choosing items to make into gods. And I don't want to get off on this scripture where it says, the man too poor to buy expensive gods like that that they was describing will find a tree free from rot and hire a man to carve a face on it and that his God, and that's his God, a God that cannot even move. Are you so ignorant? Are you so deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Have you never heard nor understood? And the rest of our scripture text comes from the book of Acts. It's a rather long reading, and I guess as we are older congregation or whatever, I know, some of the reading gets monotonous to us sometimes and not so easy to do. But Paul, when he was traveling through Ephesus on that Ephesus area, it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, What then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that the people should believe on him which, which should come after him, that is, on Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul had laid hands upon them. And the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. There were twelve people at that time. And so we're not talking a large number, number or whatever, but that number grew significantly. And that's what I wanted to emphasize in my prayer this morning, that we would be like words of faith planted, and that we would grow significant. And that's what... God is doing in the day of creation and after creation we see I tell you that was a second creation yes. where he made man on the sixth day or whatever but that man was a depraved man a man that had fallen and we see in the book of Genesis where Adam begat set and he begat set in his own image and likeness and since then man has been making or replicating himself in the image of depravity, a, a fallen man, a depraved man. And we have a flawed picture of man. Whereas the Sabbath day 
in the day that God rested. It says God created the Sabbath and it was made for man. But that day was to type and shatter the rest of Christ. That was a spiritual and that's where man would have been complete at. When we learn to enjoy the Sabbath and rest in Christ, he's our Sabbath. He's our Sabbath, and we rest in Christ because we're completed in Christ. If we don't understand Sabbath, we're taking off into idolatry or covetousness or false teachers and false premises and not being born again because we could be in the church, these people that... It names here when they were baptized at John's baptism. But John baptized to repentance, saying that it was time to turn and believe on him that would follow after him. But if we keep on reading there, it's going to be about the great goddess Diana. It's going to be about the Ephesian god Diana. And it's sort of like what we have today is worship of things, of graven images, of self, of self-pleasure. And I don't want to use up all the time uh, reading on that, and I have a good bit of reading, and I'm trying to get away from that reading. But the images that we make, self being the greatest image that we make today, and that's what I said, man has been creating himself in his own image, and he's been trying to make God in, in his image and his likeness. That's what we're continuing to do. And, and since the Antichrist would sit in the temple of God, showing himself as God, and that's what man has done. And, and as the United States fell back on January 6th, the day of the insurrection, when democracy, when the nation failed, it's just a, a matter of it coming to pass. But we can see, just like the book of Revelation, when it says Babylon has fallen, has fallen. It continues on, but physically, but spiritually, it's dead. Spiritually, the nation, those that are not in Christ, that are not born in Christ, are dead. It's just a physical atom, a physical man that's toiling in labor. And if the Lord's not in the labor, you labor in vain. Of all that time, Adam worked in labor. He lived some 900 and some years or whatever. But after he got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, wasn't able to return to the tree of life, he was destined to toil and labor in vain, in vanity and vexation of spirit. And that's what happened when we kicked God out of our lives. We start creating idols or things to worship or whatever, and we worship self, we worship others and the things of the world and the love of this world until we hear God's word and we're born again and being complete the process of being made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ is the second Adam in his image and his likeness. And that's the creation that we're in and that's what we're walking in. And uh, want to try to unite these two um, and I don't want to do a cause and consequences but the causation of us not being born again and not knowing Christ when we allow self to rule a self ruling or reigning the first point 
We see Jesus in the book of Revelation standing, knocking, and desiring interest to our hearts. We have a lot of people that say they have a good heart, and people say and they do things for us. I have a few relatives and a few friends and associates of people that have good hearts or whatever, not knowing that those hearts has to be thrown on the scrap heap. They have to be burned or discarded or whatever. You have to have a new heart because there's none good but God, and that's a deceptive heart. It's deceitful above all. The heart is desperately wicked, and who can know the heart? It says, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and into him and dine with him and he with me. But he's not going to come into an unclean temple. He's not going to dwell somewhere that he's not in charge of. You see signs and bumper sticker with the pilot and the co-pilot, but you have to actually die to self. You have to, God's not, he's a gentleman. The spirit is a gentleman that's going to gently guide you and lead you into all truth and speak unto you. But you have to give up ownership of your body. You have to literally die to self. Uh, whoever sits on the throne of your heart is who you worship and serve. And if we aren't careful, depending on who we serve, we can infiltrate our own thoughts with toxicity and lies. And uh, I don't know. I think the greatest example is physical examples. A lot of time, men looking for signs and things, and consistently, there are signs and warnings all around us. Around us, if, if we can't see that this nation was built on lies and deception, in the last five or six years, this has become more prevalent and is permeating all parts of society, and is starting to try to permeate the church. And that's why in the book of Revelations, he said that he was going to rise up and fight against the church because no lies, no deception, no sin would enter into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God. And if this earth is going to be the new heaven and the new earth, sin has to be eradicated. Sin has to be cast out and that's why we don't fret ourselves because of evil doers of words to be said because the spirit of God that spirit that worked in man the word that seed of faith it permeates the whole being it has to permeate your whole body it's like John said he must increase and I must decrease that's the effectiveness that Paul didn't see in the disciples that was in Ephesus, the Ephesians, because he says, what were you baptized under? In other words, their lives wasn't changing. They didn't see a repentance in their lives. And that's what I've been looking at the church throughout the year. There's no change in the church. They've knocked their whipping boy fell the other day of abortion. You know, that was one of the things for the last 40 or 50 years that's been the what the preachers and things relied on scaring people with the abortion thing or whatever. Now that that's fallen or whatever, you wonder what they go use as the big, big bad booger man now. Instead of true repentance, you see, because the 
words been being preached. And Jesus said the spirit do it yet work. So his church has been going on all of this time. The people that are being born again are birthed into the church are growing. And just with all of these things happening, we see greater and greater that I was telling you about the image in Daniel, that stone that was carved out without hands, that word that's being preached to you, that seed of faith should be germinating in your life. It should be producing, it should be producing effects into your life. There's a, a, a thing that happens, the effect of God's word in your life, and by you being a doer of God's word, there's actually something going on. It's not just like the winter time. You might see dead limbs and trees and things that look like they're dead, but that's the time of the most spiritual deep growth underground. The roots grow stronger during that time. Yes, see, and if you're in a foundation of Jesus Christ, if he's, if he's your foundation, and if you're building up on him, all of that that's going on roots you deeper into Christ. Persecution, suffering, and the things that are coming up on the world puts you deeper into Christ. It, it, it makes the spirit permeate throughout you because remember that little leaven that leavened the whole lump? In other words, that persecution, that suffering and the th stuff you go through, it's going to make you pray more. It's going to cause you to pray more. Circumstances going to bring about more prayer in your life. When your people turn against you and do all manner of evil against you, what does the beatitude say? It says, bless to you when people persecute you and do all manner of things. Because this work it to strengthen you. That's where God actually is working those sacrifices. When you start dying to who you are or what, you, what the world has made you, because you were shaping an iniquity. In sin, you were conceived and shaping an iniquity. Now all that has to die in your life, and you has to have to see that go away. Yes, Scripture tells us where our treasure is, that is where our heart is. So what do you hold near and dear to you? That is what have you made a set on the throne of your life. So... When I talk about these things and the material things we see, they say, well, you're losing the nation uh, and you want to fight to hold on to the nation. Maybe it's worth losing. Maybe it's worth losing because all kingdoms will become the kingdoms of God. No nation shall stand. It's one kingdom. It's one church. It's one Catholic church, a universal church. So denominations and people will fall. Like I say, when you see these things going and these shakings, if the, if the foundations be destroyed, all these things that had been rooted there, when you start helping hack at that, but you're hacking at the roots of the tree by doing this, preaching the word of God, walking in the word of God, and being a doer of the word of God. Because now those people rise up against you. Because if they've done it to Christ, they'll do it to you. So if you're standing up against the world, if you're not loving the world, the world's going to come up against you. It did it to them. If it does it to the green tree, it's going to do it to the dry tree. So 
But if the world loves you, that means you're a companion of the world. You're not coming out of the world. You're not denying yourself. So if your throne is on material things of the the material aspects and the things of this world and the love of this world. You're going to hate to see this nation go. This is a materialistic nation. It's built on capitalism. It's built on get. It's built on self, self-pleasure. I was talking about the price of gas or whatever. AAA said this holiday season, the 4th of July, it's going to be over 42 million people on the highways traveling, no matter what the price of gas is. It's higher this year than it has been in the previous years. Self-pleasure. You can enjoy yourself because that's what man is. 666, that's man incomplete. That's man shy of God. That's not man allowing God to work in his life. That's not man denying himself. That's man loving himself. What are you meditating on during the day? What you could do this weekend? What are we sitting in here thinking about now? Are we thinking and saying, God, feed us and help this word come home to my heart? Have you been praying this weekend, meditating on, do something to that preacher and let him tell me what thus saith the Lord to help me get through here? Are you thinking about the watermelons and the barbecue? You thinking about the friends and what's next, about that vehicle and what's going on? That ain't what it says meditate on. It says meditate on these things, on the word of God. Let that be your meditation. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, that's what the things we should be. Because whatever you think, that's what you become. That's what your thought life is. And that's why he destroyed the previous world, because the thoughts of man was wicked. The thoughts of man, man was evil. It was evil continually. Are you always thinking about how to get ahead? Are you thinking about self? Where, where, does, where does your mind lie at? What's in your thoughts? It says, bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against God. Or you think of building self up? Are you are your thoughts self-centered? Are they on you, your job, your children? Are you thinking about how can I build the kingdom of God that thy kingdom come? The things we go around contemplating and desiring is what's controlling us and are driven by. He says, you have not because you ask not the things you're asking for. You're asking to consume upon your own life, your desire. That's how a lot of men go around lusting after other women, uh, lusting it. And when, once you achieve that, that woman or that man or whatever, you, it's not quite you know, the pleasure you thought it was. After a while, it gets old. That car that you labored for and labored for after six months, it's an old car. It's not the same. It doesn't satisfy. The food after you didn't ate so much of it, you eat so much of it, it you became gluttonous on it. It didn't make you sick and ran your blood pressure up. It didn't got you in bad shape. The only thing that satisfies is Jesus Christ. Because he adds balance to our lives. He desires to do what's right for us. It's like our parent, and it gives us good gifts, but the things our parent gives us, we don't understand that our parents really love us, and sometimes it seems like the parent is being hard on you or something or whatever. 
But that's to balance your life out. The broccoli and the vegetables, they always tell you to eat your vegetables. Not that you're old and can't do no more or whatever, and the doctor's telling you to eat your vegetables. You're trying to change 40 or 50 years of bad eating. You, you find out that those carrots and tomatoes are really good for your eyes. That broccoli and roughage does help your digestion or whatever. But that temple that desired that fried chicken, that desired those shrimps and all of those other things, and he marked his people out to give them a certain diet because it's balanced. The, the consequences of all of the things that God has done shows in your spiritual life. So when I was talking about abortion, it's not just a woman pregnant and trying to get rid of the baby, though. Because now they're saying men going back and saying they're having more vasectomies or whatever because we don't want to get trapped with some woman saying that we didn't have a baby or we're going through the problem. We can't get an abortion or whatever. The problem is casual sex. The, the problem is sexual immorality. But that's not the heart or the root of the problem. Also, because it's just that you can't do without God. When he says be fruitful and multiply... Man, what would have happened to me? I, I got six children. But what would have happened to me if I'd have kept being fruitful? What happens with 12, 13, 14? Because, you know, if you don't, when they're fighting the women and not providing contraceptives, all that, and say use the counting method or whatever, you know, you can be pretty fertile and, and have a lot of children and not able to take care of all those children. Those same abortion rights advocates or whatever that advocating birth in these children after the children get a certain age or whatever, they're ready to kill them. They're not going to take care of the old and the elderly. What happens when these children that the families, the wives and husbands say, well, we're not able to take care of all these children or whatever. See, so I'm not coming down. I'm not being dogmatic against anything. But I'm saying Christ is the answer. We don't have an answer. It all is left up to God, see, because on both sides of that issue, there is man's thought. You know, so me and my wife, we, you know, if we'd have kept on, I don't know how many children we could have had. You see what I'm saying? It is God that we have to look to and that's controlling all these things because he created sex, he created these things, but he put it in a sacred institution where it's dependent upon God. But all of this is on, in the kingdom living is ideal situations. Yes. Where we have ideal situations. That's what the Bible is about. Ideal situations. What is ideal? We can make ourselves a graven image and that's one of the worst antagonists, the worst things that could happen. These cell phones or whatever. Stroll some people's Facebook pages and things or whatever and see is the majority of their pages and things about selfies and their pictures and things. They have more of their pictures in that than their family or anybody else's picture. You can tell whether they're narcissistic or not or whatever. You can tell the ones that their bodies are more than anything else because they'll have a surrogate of someone else, and that's what the movie stars and a lot of people have other women having their babies or carrying their babies because they don't want to destroy their bodies. They don't want their bodies to be with that, you know, after having so many children or whatever. 
That's why the Bible tells about those that said that they wasn't going to have children and they was going to live in luxury or whatever. See, because being in man, being in this body, we're going to have desires and natural cravings that a supernatural force has to supersede. In other words, self has to die. Let, let me read Colossians here. This may have bring it out. See, because covetousness, when we talk about bowing down to idols and statues, covetousness is idolatry, you know, right? To covet other things, to want more, to desire more is covetousness. Listen at Colossians 3, uh, 5 through 11. It says... So put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts. In other words, put to death the members of the body. Put to death. In other words, die to self, the carnal urgings. And that's why Paul says, I die daily. Your worst enemy is self. There's a, a saying that says, uh, we have seen the enemy and the enemy is us. We're our own worst enemy. It says, Immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Covetousness is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. We say we're not idolaters, but today we crave pleasure. We crave our shows, our television shows, and all our... It's too many to list. I'll go on and say others shortly. Because of these sinful desires or the sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. In other words, those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. And in these sinful things, you also once walked. We walked that way. That's why, you know, we should be able to help others because we were that way ourselves. At one time, I went after these same things. So we have experienced these same things. And that's why Christ was able to come down and do this for us. And he showed us that if he denied himself of these things as a man, we have to do it as a man, but with his spirit. He had the spirit without measure. So we grow in the spirit by a faith walk as we practice these things being a do of these words, not just hearing them and saying, but actually being a do of these words. That's what strengthens us to overcome. And no better example than the people see us walking this way. As natural men, that we're being spiritually made again. That's the manifestations of the sons of God. That's what I like to see. But what's sickening is the nation the way it is a lot of talk and not doing. That's why we pray to God, because we mourn for the condition this hypocritical nation is in. We've lost the Supreme Court. We've lost the churches. We've lost all these things. That's why I say, are we reading and studying what's going on? I, I don't hate to point you to secular news or whatever, but if you're not aware of the world going on around you, if you're not walking circumspectively, you can become part of it. It's a seducing spirit. If you're not aware of it, your children can take control of you. Your spouse can take control of you. 
people can take advantage of you. It, this is something that we have to have a consciousness arisen to, and that's why the Spirit does. It makes us aware of all things. It causes us to judge all things. Look at all things more closely. We have to put our mind in gear before we put our mouths in gear. He says, And in these sinful things you also walk, you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. But now rid yourselves completely of all of these things. What things? Anger? Do you get mad? Do you just get upset? It says be angry, but sin not. In other words, you have to temper your anger. You have to get to the point where that doesn't flow like it used to. Rage, malice, slander, obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar talk, a language from your mouth. What are you watching? Because if you're consuming those things, and that's what they're saying, the rap music causes people to do all these things. What you listen at, those things that you worship, those things, that that's what you become. We're looking at all these naked images and half-dressed, can't-declared images and this lasciviousness. Someone was talking about the Kardashians or something, people being popular for being popular. In other words, you're just rushing after these women or these things because it looks good to you. It appeals to the flesh. So they have set the design world and the imaging worlds. They're billionaires now, billionaires, because that's your images and that's the goddess. That's who you want to be like. A lot of us, the things we wear and dress or whatever, they have, what's her name, Izzo, Lizzo, or whatever, they had Monique or whatever, but they're not, that used to be the devil would point it toward the skinny women, but now they got the big women. That's the fashion sense now, so he gets them all, he wants them all. Showing that some of the things that they're saying that is fashionable because he wants to appear to the desires, the inward desires, and he knows that's on one end. He's got you eating at the trough of self pleasure. So if you eat, they, they can't make enough diet stuff for you, you know, because you want to appeal that you can eat a whole lot and don't have to work out. You want something that's going to dissolve and just melt away the fat. So we fasting has become a fad nowadays. That used to be a, a spiritual entity to some people. But now it's part of the fad. It's part of the, the idol that we serve. Yes. Do not lie to one another. And that's, that's where this nation lies at right there, lying. The delusion that God's sending such a strong delusion that people believe lies. They love lies. That's what this nation is living in, the, the lie of what it is, January 6th, the lie of fraud and deception. It says, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices. Put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in the true knowledge and the image of him who created the new self. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, no between nations, whether barbarian or Scythian. So how do you distinguish between the United States, China? I mean, nah, I'm, I'm talking uh, any of the European nations. There shouldn't be a distinction. That's why I say we are one in Christ Jesus. It's mankind. See, but to polarize these things, politicians and churches put up these boundaries, whether you Catholic, Jehovah Witness, Baptist, 
Unitarian or whatever. But the Bible says, mock those who cause division. We all Christ's who are in Christ Jesus. That's why the Corinthian church went out of existence or whatever. They had divisions among them. Some are Paul, some of Apollos. And really the high-minded one says they are of Christ, they are of Jesus. Is the body of Christ divided? We have to have a new mind, a new way of thinking. There are none slave, whether slave or free, but Christ is all in all. So believers are equal in Christ, and that is without distinction. But we have favoritism of preachers and of churches and places of worship. The distinctions are great. The images and idols today far outnumber the ones in old days. Because of media and images, we, we have many more idols than ever could be thought of. Making ourselves the center of attention, not being able to see our faults and examining oneself. That's Brother Job there. That's why Job is there. He's a man that couldn't see his faults and failures because God said he was a perfect and upright man. And throughout the book, Job started to look in his self-righteousness then. Humility started to kind of fade away. When you start bragging and boasting up on someone... You have to totally destroy it. God went through the destruction of Job's self-image to where he had to have Job at the end of the book saying, Lord, I abhor myself, I repent. Did he say repent? In other words, turn away from the way he was thinking. He repent in dust and ashes. He put his hand over his mouth. He said he thought he knew God, but now he knew him better. But now he's childish now. Now he don't have clothes to put on his back. He couldn't put them on if he wanted to because his back was sore and had blisters and things on. Do God have to bring you to nothing before you can see yourself? You come back and tell your parents, Mama, Dad, I'm sorry, I should have listened to you. Yeah, you should have. You've been further down the road. Do you have to be stripped or can you listen or learn by obedience? If Adam would have listened at God like Christ, he was obedient unto death. Obedience is better than sacrifice now. We learn to obey God if we would stop doing things to be sorry for. If we take heed unto the Word of God, we need to start taking heed unto the Word of God. Peter says, man ought to obey God rather than man. Stop following tradition. Stop following the path where your parents, he said, because your fathers were stubborn and hard-headed. That's the reason the condition some of us are in, listening at our parents. And, and, uh-oh, the pastor said, don't listen at your parents. I didn't say that. See, because Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't make your parents out of your idols because what you're going to do when your parents gone. Don't make your spouse and other, anything else your idol. What you do, you lean on Christ. You look unto Christ. He have told you, look unto him. Don't look unto anybody else. He's the only perfect one. That's the and That image and likeness is invisible. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. Yes. That's why we have to see Jesus through faith. He doesn't give us images. God is too large for us to comprehend. But we can comprehend righteousness. He's made us the righteousness by faith. Through faith. We need to walk in that righteousness of Christ Jesus. Be made that way. 
Job has that, that he had that tunnel vision. You remember I say, some of us don't have the ability to see ourselves for ourselves, but when God shows us the mirror of God's word and convicts us of sin, and we see ourselves as worms, as maggots, as the dust of the earth, as nothingness, then we repent and turn to God and says, make me somebody in you. We lose sight of self and gain sight of God. And we start walking by faith that he's going to build you a new man. That old man is dying. We're going to put him to death. And that's what we did on January 6th. The people made a projection of an image of what they thought democracy was and who they thought was a godly leader. It was so flawed. It was so flawed. You can't even believe that a portion of the nation even believed this. But that's where we live today. The ravages of that is still to come. Like I said, you can't come back from that. It's no building back from that. You're getting close to God's word then because he says that this world is passing away. This world is passing away. The earth is passing away. Job's self-image, in other words, our self-imported, not seeing ourselves as insignificant. See, once we realize the insignificance of man, we start seeing the significance of children of God, those that are born of God, and that those are the sons of God. That's when you somebody, when you become nobody to yourself. When you become a child of God, you, but long as you're your own man, long as you're your own woman, and you know you got a problem, but if you his bond serve, if you take his yoke upon you, and you bear that, now you're in the process of being made into somebody. See, that pride is whipped in. That's when humility comes. You what? Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after him. Self-denial. The second point is unbelievers. Unbelievers here. There are those who are ignorant of God going by what others say, having not experienced God for themselves. Acts, the 19th chapter here, the 8th through the 12th verse, it says, And when he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God, let me see, did I miss something here when I skipped up here? Yeah, let me let me add this before I go to that point. It says, 1 John 2, 15-17, it says, Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the and the sensual cravings of the flesh and the lust and longings of the eye, and the prideful boast of life, the pretentious confidence in the resources of the world, is not of God, but it's of the world. So if you love the world, you can't love God. Now, Paul was preaching to these Ephesians that in the town of, in the city of Ephesus, the great god Diana was there. Diana, in, in Greek mythology, is known as the goddess Artemis. And Paul, you remember I told you he had baptized, and it was 12 of them, and it begins as 12 of them. He stayed there for three months, over a three-month period, and it says, 
he was disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. He says, but when divers were hardened, in other words, when many people started to wax hard against what he was preaching and teaching and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. Now, when they say that way, they're meaning the way of Jesus Christ. They didn't call it Christianity to begin with. They called it the way because it was a way of life. It was the way that the people lived and Paul was telling them how to live. Now this town was overcome with idolatry. Some worshipped Diana as the goddess of fertility, but then some worshipped her in some cultures as the goddess of virginity. But it was a metal image that had failed, they say, from Jupiter. And they was capitalistic. In other words, they made their money through reproducing goods to this goddess. It would be like our stock market. If you notice the news saturates you with the stock market here in capitalism. Because the objective is always to make more. If a company that's not making money in the stock falls at that company they considered being a failure or whatever. So it's always projection of making more gain, gain, gain. It's no contentment there. But it says, but when divers was hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. He went away from where the people met in the commonplace, just like Jesus didn't teach or didn't reside in the synagogues, that's why when the temple was destroyed, it just was kind of typed and shattered of the destruction of the churches, and they had house churches. You remember he said, your house is left unto you desolate, and the temple fell. The Jerusalem temple was destroyed because it had became their house. It was no longer the house of God because you had made the house of God a temple of thieves and robbers. You had changed it. That's what they've done to the church now. Instead of the lame, the poor, and the sick, and the needy comes in, those are the ones you oppress. So he moved the school to one Tyrannus, and this continued by the space of two years. See, we like to think of overnight mega churches and things popping up, but after he's taught for three months, then they, that thing started growing, and then he moved this thing, and he started teaching by the riverside in different places for two years, so that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And you see, that's why the Jews got upset, because that Paul's teaching this Jesus is going out throughout Asia Minor, all over Asia. That's why he says, preach the word. You see, that's what happened in this nation as Christianity multiplied, as the church grows, Satan puts his hand in there. Whenever you get a crowd, Satan's going to come in there. When Black Lives Matter began to grow, that crowd got so large because it was people within that crowd didn't matter about Black Lives Matter. It was about the crowd. They was rioting and doing all these other things. But what that, does that have to do with black lives? You torn the movement up because you had people joining in, ignorant of what's going on. Hey, man, it's a chance to steal here. It's a chance to burn down and because that's what their nature was. 
during Hurricane Katrina and all that, you had people shooting and looting and go, what you gonna do with this big flat screen TV and six, six feet of water? You waiting there with a flat screen TV and six foot of water. You always, there's danger in a crowd. It says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out of them. So when you starting to get people healed and these special miracles, you've heard of those miracles and things. See, that's what established Jesus' miracle with signs and wonders that this was God working. And he tell you in the latter days what's going to happen will come lying signs and wonders and miracles. So just because something's happening nowadays, a miracle happened, doesn't necessarily mean it's of God. He says, adulterous generation looking for a sign. So the people that's walking by faith don't need a sign. He says the only sign going to be given is that of Jonah the prophet, who was in the grave three days and three nights. The vagabonds are self-proclaimers, those capitalists, they started the rioting and they started doing a duplicating just like the Republican Party has done with religion. They're meaning they're saying that Republican means Christianity, that you're a Christian. That's a weird idea. You see, the people that were like these vagabond Jews, the ignorant people, they were saying they believe those things. You see, that's what happened. That's why you have, he says, teaching and preaching. People have to be taught because you can have so many ignorant people believing what's passed down to them and just said instead of like the Bereans searching and seeing whether those things are so. Living and having the Spirit come to life in them. It says those that were covetous for gain realized that he's preaching against this. These people came out and burned all these things. Acts the 19th chapter, the 13th through the 20th verse. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, which was exorcists, took upon themselves to call on them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We assure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. And there were seven sons of Sceva and Jews who did the same thing. Now, as they started casting out devils and things some of it backfired on them but we see this nowadays that people cast out devils and healing the sick and doing all these things and I told you it could be lying signs and wonders and these spirits move from others How can, let me see here it permeates the body in other words this spirit of wickedness, if you're not converted, you're not bringing in the word of God, once you open yourself up to Christianity and don't fill the house with the word of God, being continually filled with the spirits, seven spirits worse than that revert and come into you. In other words, you can see people in Christianity worse than they were when they were in the world. They are worse Christian because now it's a perversion because what was motivating them was goods. 
was gained. It was like Simon. You remember Simon the sorcerer? He wanted that power. He wanted to even pay for the power to lay hands on people. And they see sometimes fame is what we're after. It's not necessarily fame, but it's popularity. I don't know how much the president wanted money. Yeah, he did want money. He was covetous, but he loved it popularity. He loved it his name. He loved it to be seen. That's what the Pharisees loved it was popularity and wanting to be seen. See, it's a lot of people that that worship images and idols, and that's what self. I told you these selfish and things. People are in love with themselves and thinking that their body and they look good to other people. And that's why you have all of the surgeries and all of the things that's going on. People making themselves into their own, that, that's who they worship. They, above all, is self. It says, and many believe because the word is preached. That's why I say with adultery, I mean ad- abortion being uh Put to the side, we have to keep preaching the word of God and not get entangled in that because through all this chaos, God's accomplishing his purpose. God's accomplishing his purpose. So we continue, Paul continued on preaching, and and you need to read this because this is going to be a two-part. You need to read this. Paul kept on preaching, and the mission was not complete he sent some of his people in a different direction because now that this thing had germinated and grown just like Christianity and everybody latched onto it in the nation, now we have to weed it out to see who the true believers. See, because listen what happened. It says, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, many of them of which owned curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them at, and found it. Now, this is the Old Test. This is the New Testament price, and it says 50,000 pieces of silver, whereas in, I think, the Living Bible, it says around $100 million worth. Of. See, it's like if a movie like uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, Black Panther, after it grows a billion dollars or whatever, those become your gods or your idols. Those are the money makers. But the problem in Hollywood and they're fighting with now because that movie showed that you didn't need the Chinese market. Top Gun showed you didn't really need the Chinese market to be successful. But what happens when you start to do that, then you're around... What can I say here? You arouse the Pharisees. When you attack the the foundation of these things. So that's when Demetrius the silversmith came out and they're saying, well, look, now these people burning all this stuff and getting rid of it, notice they didn't give it to anybody else. What has become a trap to you? If we say let's get rid of Christmas and we don't want to, have Christmas trees and all of this gift, the holidays, the merchants will come after us. You know, at one time back, if, if you want to read it, I have some stuff on it and there's different things on it. When the United States did get rid of Christmas, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas because the, the founders knew that that was a pagan horse, that you couldn't celebrate that. 
But see, now the merchandise is those that rise up against Christmas now. Can you imagine what it would do to the economy? You would have things coming after you, just like when the 1%, they was talking about the 1% is on Wall Street or whatever. So what Trump and his people did, they struck at the core of the nation. The ignorant of the people that didn't understand, didn't realize that you were striking at the core of democracy of what the nation stood for. So once you knock down your belief system, what do you have? Nothing. And that's why Peter, when the people says, this is a hard saying, you say, he told Jesus, when he said, you must eat of my blood and drink of my, I mean, eat of my body and drink of my blood. They they knew they couldn't join in the cannibalism. So they, they said, this is a hard saying you say, and they didn't follow him no more. But he asked Peter where they could go also. Well, Peter had already said that thou art the Christ. So he realized the truth. He said, well, you have the truth. Where else we going to go? It's about to get hard in this nation. We're going to really see the ones who really love this nation. The, the ones that's really praying for this nation. You don't have to put a flag on your outside of your house to, to really love this nation. You don't have to buy your wife a big old gift for her to know you love her. You see, when you still have to do these things to appease someone, see, when you have to buy your kids something or whatever to prove your love, you have a problem. See, love is reciprocal, and once you realize that Christ died for you, you'll be like Job. Naked you come into the world, and naked you will leave here. God give it, and God take it away. See, God, Job's wife wasn't in on that. He said, we didn't lost our children. You didn't lost everything here now. You just want to curse God and die. You see, if for God you live and for God you die, once hard time comes, you will know who on your side. Once you without anything. So what is happening now when the rubber meets the road? They say, well, we can't burn and throw away these things. When you're getting rid of television, when you're getting rid of the money makers, we could decide. So Peter said, where else we going to go? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you willing to lose your life for his life? Are you that faithful to him? Now, now you fit to see some growth in Christ Jesus. Now we fit to see, actually, do you believe in Christ when the crowd's not following it was only 120 in that room, but it had multitudes. You remember he was feeding the thousands. It was 20,000. It was more than 4,000 when he fed because that was just men. But it was women and children, so they estimate the crowd size at 20,000. See, that's when you know you got friends. Your friends come over to your house when your car broke and you don't have anything or whatever. You don't have the, the luxury stuff to give them and the stuff to buy them stuff and do things for them. You see, Job had friends that came over, but they were friends that were materialists. They judged Job on what he had and what had happened in his life. They wasn't really true friends to the heart. And God showed that in that Job had to end up praying for them. Now, we, we don't, we, I don't have time. I didn't got here where we see where this is coming out in Ephesus. 
And I want you to read this for next week coming up. We're going to go through the rest of this next week. But see, now Paul is, is getting ready to have insurrection like we had on January the 6th. Now all that preaching and teaching people had started coming out against Paul in Ephesus is up in arms. Demetrius and the civil spirit, they're about to start to riot here. This nation, we're about to get to the crooks of the crossable in this nation where we have to start doing without, where we have to start standing up to our friends and relatives. Are, the, are you just a graven image and an idol or had you created someone else or anything else as a graven image or an idol? You see, now this is New Testament. This, this is not anything I took from the Old Testament here. This is that you didn't build your life around a line. And a lot that when that woman testified this week, those that were in his inner circle, how far are you going to go with this lie? How far does this have to fall apart before you abandon ship? You see, you can fool, and there's a lot, maybe a good bit of God's people that are following him that were deceived. There's a lot in different churches that have been deceived. But they will come away. God's going to save his elect. They are part of God's elect. So that's why I say we can't judge and say who's saved and who's not saved. We can only preach the word. The word's going to determine that. Preaching and walking in the word's going to determine whether you were serving the right God or not because there's two different Jesuses out there. So everybody that call up on the name of Christ is not of Christ. There are people, and if you're forsaking the assembling together of yourself, if your life is showing that you're working for some other God, some other image that you're making, don't fault me when I start letting go or when things start happening. No, you brought this up on yourselves. Because my job was to tell you and warn you. And that's what he says in Ezekiel. As a watchman, you warn them and you tell them, but don't let them pull you down with them. You make sure you make it to the shore. But if you got a good heart, and if you walking off sensuality, and if you into the carnal and hadn't been born again, sometimes you have to leave your friends sick. Look at Paul as their life. God always says, Trophimus, I've left at Ephesus sick. Sometimes that's the par for the course. Some of them die. Some of them not will get away. But you have to finish running this race. It's a lot of it that's not going to make it to the end. And you can't say, well, brother, we're going to die in this hole together. No, we're not either. I'm going to save myself. It says with fear and trembling, save yourself. Because it's others that's up the road that you might could help out. You see, because you stayed in there too long and you obedient disobedience somewhere or another so you have to keep pressing on toward the to toward the mark christianity didn't end with paul paul said i fought a good fight so he didn't tell timothy to stop doing this see sometimes people want to bury you in that same grave with them if they not happy they don't want you to be happy if they can't do nothing they don't want you to do nothing but you have to press on the way the Spirit of God's leading you. Yes. Now you have to be helpful. And Jeremiah said, I'm not going to stop praying for you. But I have to go on to where God's leading me. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day.